Can you put that picture up on the wall for us? Did you find one, Maggie? Maggie's an all-star. If she found this picture, she's even more so. You should just applaud when you see it. Look at that. You know what I like about that picture? Everything. I like that it's a black sheep. What's a black sheep mean? Downcast? Probably rebellious, doesn't conform. What else? Different? Sometimes you, you've heard that old phrase, have you? Some maybe, maybe Grant, you might not have heard it, but being the black sheep of the family, was it you're the, you're the one that's whacked out. You're the one that's, that's a mess. Everything else, we're all pristine and, and good, and we're, we're conforming, if you will. And then the black sheep is the rebellious one, or, and I wasn't calling Grant that. I was just saying it's an old phrase. You know that, right? So what it is is that being the black sheep would be somehow a connotation that you don't belong. Did you ever get that? Did you ever get that in life where there's situations where you just don't feel like you belong? Like you're not incorporated? Like somehow you're on the outside looking in? Anybody else or just me? So you've been there, done that. Sometimes it's, it's the, the way that people make us feel when they don't really mean to make us feel like that. So today we're talking about, because this is our last of our series, then the umbrellas are coming down. You can go ahead and say, aww. The umbrellas are coming down because it won't hold snow. No, the umbrellas, because we've been talking about spiritual umbrellas, and we've been talking about authority. We've been talking about authority from the Word of God on. So I'm going to ask you to turn. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Must be mine that's wrong. 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to invite you at the end of our service, I'm going to invite you to receive communion uh, with me. Amen? You'll understand it even more by the time we get there. 1 Peter chapter 5 says this. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now that's an exhortation from the apostle now, who was a disciple, Peter. And he's giving this because remember that Jesus, when he had declared that you are the Christ, in Matthew chapter 16, he says, who do you say that I am? And people are saying rabbi and a prophet and a teacher. And he said, Peter has this revelation by the Holy Spirit, it says. And he says, you are the Christ, the Messiah. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for you didn't get this flesh and blood didn't give this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Amen? So he had this revelation of who Jesus is before the cross. He has this revelation of who Jesus is. So there's a lot to unpack in here. Um, we had some names today that we actually sang about. We talked about 
who, who, uh, who God is. We talked about some names even around Jesus. But, you know, we talked about the great I am, for example. How many of you have ever thought of Jesus as a pastor? Did you ever think of Jesus as a pastor? And most of us wouldn't. Most of us would say we think of Jesus as a shepherd. And thereby, the word pastor actually comes in from, from the Middle Ages, if you will. It was a Latin word. The Latin word for shepherd is pastor. And so that's where we got the word pastor. By the way, I don't go by reverend, and I don't go by most holy reverend. I, I just go by Pastor Joel. Now, I would could call myself, uh, if you will, or say Shepherd Joel. Um, that sounds a little weirder than pastor. So, But here it is. Shepherd is to a servant to tend or feed. A servant to tend or feed. You remember... When Peter had denied Christ three times, do you, you all remember that story? Where he had, Jesus told him, he's, he says, you're all going to abandon me. And, and Peter speaks up and says, like he, he many times did, he says, not me, I would never deny you. And then there were three times Jesus says to him, he says, before that rooster crows, you will have denied me three times, or thrice. Look at somebody and say thrice. Amen? Thrice. Three times you will have denied me. So at the end of the book of John, there's actually a narrative there where Jesus is asking, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, I love you. And he says, to feed my sheep. Then he says, Peter, do you love me? And he, Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, tend my lambs. And then a third time, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord. And he says, feed my sheep. So he gives that there's almost, some people would say that because he denied him three times, he had to say three times again. But it's actually that Jesus was just saying something powerful for the rest of Peter's life about the purpose for his life. Because you might come to the end of the cross and to the resurrection and think that you've already been there. I've witnessed this, and that's my, that's my role. This is what I was here for. Now I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do. God's making sure Jesus is making sure that Peter knows exactly what God has for him to do, to tend, to feed, to pastor, to shepherd the sheep. So now the Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, the Apostle Peter is giving the orders to the other shepherds and to people who would come into leadership and and be in a place as pastor. He's giving them this charge. This is literally in verse 1. When it says, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. He's saying, I was there. I saw it. And a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed, he says. Those are all, verse. that's verse 1. That's literally Peter's resume for giving instruction. Did you ever feel like you have to do that to somebody? You have to give your qualifications. If you're going to express something to them, or you're going to teach them something or tell them, you feel like you've got to sort of, Give your resume as to why they should listen to you. Sometimes we do that with our children, don't we? Yeah, listen, now, I, I tried reefer when I was young. I know what it does to your little mind. Some of the older people are wondering what reefer is. So you'd say, because I did there, I've been there and done that. I don't want you to do that, see? And you'll list your resume, and you'll list the surgeries, and you'll list your scars, and you'll give all the reasons why you should listen to me. And that's essentially what Peter is doing right in the beginning 
of chapter, this chapter. He's saying, here it is. This is my resume. Then the, the verse 2, he says this. He says, shepherd the flock, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Well, what is, what is sordid gain? That means with some greed. See, you're doing it. For example, if I was to say, I'll pray for you if you'll give me some money. See, in other words, I'll do my job, but I'm only going to do it because I'm getting paid for it. See, there's some gain, and it's, it's not so that I might bring glory to God. The sordid aspect of it is that I'm actually going to look to gain something personal out of, out of your crisis, out of your issue. See? So a concerned guide is what he's saying. Be a, like a concerned guide. Shepherd the flock, exercising oversight. Not a severe ruler. Not a taskmaster cracking the whip as you would with slaves. He's saying, you're not going to force people to do these things. You're not going to jam stuff down their throats. You're not going to preach at them in such a way as to, to belittle them. Instead, he gives a charge about what a shepherd should do and how we should be. And then he says, he says this. The, 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 the second part of that verse is diligent patrol, by the way. I didn't give you that, but it says, um, with shepherd the flock exercising oversight, diligent patrol, your eyes on the prize. See, for you and me, when we're thinking of eyes on the prize, you're thinking about Jesus. You're thinking about him as, as our goal. Well, the shepherd is the same way. The shepherd, for the shepherd, the prize is what? The sheep. The sheep are the, yeah, the sheep are the prize. That's my job. Jesus says, of all that you've given to me, I have not lost one, but Judas, right? The betrayer. Jesus says it in John 17, I have not lost one of them. That's expressing himself as the shepherd and saying, I haven't lost any of them. So, not dominating or making timid sheep, see? Some of you have been under control. You've been under a pastor that might have been hard. He might have been somebody who who exacted himself and whatever the laws and the rules of the church and the denomination. And so you felt like a heavy hand upon you. Anybody in here like that? You know it's true. How many? Go ahead. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you. That means you come out of that with where there's a level of wounding that happens when you're under that kind of, uh, you could call it a dictator. Some have, I've heard in my days, I've heard it like a power freak or control freak. See, somebody who is, is they, they put you down and put you in your place, and ultimately they exalt themselves. Well, now we all know that that's not Jesus. That's not the way that Jesus works it. But that's the way it gets when you're frustrated. That's when it gets when you get angry. That's what happens when you get in the flesh. Pastors can be in the flesh. Amen? Amen? Amen. Pastors can be in the flesh. So... I pray healing over us, because if you sat under that, that you surely came through it wounded, and it's the grace of God who brings healing in your heart, amen, and in your spirit. Not dominating or making timid, leading sacrificially with humility. All these things are right here in First Peter. Leading sacrificially with humility. By the way, the shepherd leads from the front. Do you notice that? It's different than, than a cattle drive. You know, the cattle are driven from the rear. 
but the shepherd leads from the front. When Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. See, it's important for you to, to have a shepherd. It's important for you to know the voice of the shepherd. Now, I get it. Jesus is the great shepherd. I call myself the neck. I'm underneath his lordship too. But in this local congregation, I'm the shepherd. And he gives me both authority and an anointing to be a shepherd. And so it behooves you to receive me as your shepherd because there are benefits, which I'm going to give you at the very end, benefits of being under a shepherd. And we all need one. Now, listen, you're born in parents. You're, you're a type of shepherd. See, parents are shepherds. Grandparents are shepherds. Teachers are shepherds. Politicians, whoa, they are, they are shepherds. See, there's a flock that we have given some responsibility over. Amen? So, the last thing is, is that when he says this, and when the chief shepherd, to denote himself, distinguish himself above shepherd, small s, there's a capital S. The chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, you guys just have to think about the the crown of glory. For them back then, you know that they didn't give gold medals in the first Olympiad. You guys know that? They didn't give gold medals. Uh, I don't know what year they started giving gold medals in the modern era, though. But back then, they gave you a wreath. It was a wreath made out of, let's call it, some sort of vine or bushes that they made a wreath with. And that was perishable. You guys know that, that you might be doing some, some real Christmas wreaths someday here soon. And you put it out, and that thing's going to be toast and ready to, to burn your house down by the middle of January. Okay? That thing will perishable. It will deteriorate. And this crown that they would receive for the Olympics, even back in this day, the Greeks were the ones who started the, the Olympics, if you will, this competition. They gave this crown for the winner, received a crown of, of branches, and it was perishable. And so this language takes you into their culture in their day and tells you what it was like. But the promise is, is for us, is that we wouldn't receive a perishable crown. That is those of us who are called to shepherd the flock of God. Amen? So guess what? That tells you my reward is also where your reward is in heaven. So shepherd is it's a privilege that we have. Now, I want to give you this passage. It's a short passage from Zechariah, and it's, it's this principle. Sometimes we learn from a bad example. How many of you have learned some things from bad examples? You have that wisdom and that ability that you can say, mm, I don't know if I'd do it that way. You know, I kind of don't have to go through that to see that's not the road I want to travel. So in this case, Zechariah says it this way, and Zechariah, is, they, they consider him called a minor prophet. Major prophets were like Jeremiah and uh, Isaiah, for example, they would have been major prophets, even Daniel. But then there were minor prophets. And so Zechariah is considered a minor prophet, not lesser, just that the scope of his ministry was different. So it says, Then the Lord said to me, Zechariah, Take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd. The equipment, so I'll come back to that. Of a foolish shepherd. For behold... I am raising up in the land a shepherd who does not care for those being destroyed or seek the young or heal the maimed or nourish the healthy, but devours the flesh of the fat ones, tearing off even their hoofs. Woe to my worthless shepherd, 
who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered, his right eye utterly blinded. Now, two things, the right eye, the arm, and, and the eye. The arm refers to the power, his power, maybe his influence, right? His power. And the second one, speaking of his eye, is speaking about his mind. Speaking about his mind. So, in other words, let him be take stripped of his power and let him be stripped of his mind, if you will. So, what does it say? That the shepherd is, one thing is, is we are equipped. God has given us equipment, not just this. You know, most of them might have shepherd's garments, you know, garments on, which weren't very glorious. They weren't very attractive, much like what Jesus is wearing in the picture. And so it wasn't that we have some sort of armor. We didn't get the armor like a warrior, see? But what are we equipped with? So we're, we're equipped with an anointing, if you will, that comes from God. So take the equipment of a foolish. We might have, as David had, we might have a, a sling. We might have a rod or a staff, something that we could protect ourselves with, something that we could, we could beat wolves with, See, something we could protect the sheep. But he says even there, take on this, which is worthless equipment, because the shepherds who are the foolish shepherds aren't even using what they've already got. That's what he's saying. It's easy for us, just like for you and me, it would be easy for us to get displaced where we, we all of a sudden fall into this place where we're not actually doing anything with the gifts that God has given to us. Amen? So in other words, why, did, why am I here? I'm just taking up space if I'm not advancing the kingdom, if I'm not accomplishing what God has for, for us. I've got to use my gifts for his purpose. And his purpose for you and the gifts for me is the body of Christ. We're going to come to that in just a minute. So we are equipped. The pastor is equipped. What else? Caring and attentive. In verse 16, he says, I am raising up in a land a shepherd who does not care for those being destroyed or seek the young or heal the maimed or nourish the healthy. So those give us some things that if you're raising up a worthless shepherd, then the shepherd who is good shepherd would take care of those being destroyed. He'll seek out the young. He'll heal the maimed and nourish the healthy. See, those are things that because we're saying, here's what he wasn't doing, this tells us what we should do because this is the worthless shepherd. So it's easy for us to say, or am I under that kind of a shepherd? And if your answer might be, I'm not so sure, then pray for the shepherd. Pray for the shepherd that God would continue the work that he began in me. Amen? So we can look at shepherds and we can, even from other churches or on TV or things like that, and we can cut them down and we can we can, we can expose them and we can, we can shout out all their deficiencies and how they're wrong and their heresies. Or we can do what God would have us to do, which is to pray for them. What do you think? Should we tear down and destroy or should we build up and strengthen? Word of God says we should build up. Who is it who tears down and destroys? The devil. So which ministry side do you want to be on? Build up and strengthen God's side or on the side where you're actually carrying forth what the devil wants to tear down and destroy? Oh, if we realize, saints, what we're doing when we go off in that. The last one, verse 17 says, Woe to my worthless who deserts the flock. See? So the opposite of deserting the flock is to be faithful and to be loyal. 
faithful and loyal. Guess where you get that from? Christ. Amen? We could, we, we could, can, and should learn from Jesus' example. You know what it is? John chapter 10, verse 10. Ready? It says, the thief comes only to steal. That's right. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus saying, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and splits, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand saying, I don't get paid enough for this. I don't get paid enough for that. Because he's a hired hand, he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. That's why you can belong to New Life Fellowship and know that it's not an exclusive deal. You are not the only ones getting to heaven, folks. Amen? He loves some pretty nasty people out in the world, and he's going to see to it that they get saved. Glory to God. Amen? He says, these other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let me tell you a couple things that this verse means. Right off the bat at the very end, it says, This charge I have received from my Father. A pastor doesn't choose to be a pastor. Okay, There are some. I've met them who said that they wanted to be a pastor, so they went, to, they went to seminary and they went to school to become a pastor. The question was, are they called to be a pastor? Did they choose to be a pastor or were they chosen to be a pastor? Now, that doesn't mean they're no good. Okay, It might mean they, they're eloquent speakers. It may be that they do a very good job with certain elements of being a, a pastor. But the call of God is so important for the pastor because that's where our authority lies. That's where the anointing lies. That's where when the, the stuff when the stuff hits the fan, when, the, when you turn up the heat in the kitchen, that's where it really matters is will that shepherd stand and fight or is he going to flee? See? And so the calling of a shepherd is something that is specific because God ordains that. Me, I had, a, I had a career. I was doing fine in my life without church, by the way, and, and without Christ, or so I thought. Okay? I didn't need to take a pay cut to become a pastor. Hello? That wasn't something I was willing to give up. But when I got saved, God started working right here. And he dried up what I was doing. All of a sudden, I was a man without a mission because I wasn't doing what I was called to do anymore. And I was not turned on or excited or enthusiastic about what had provided such a wonderful income and and life for me and my, my family. And God began to dry that up. 
And all of a sudden, he began to show me, I thought I was going to be an evangelist. I thought I was the next Billy Graham. That would have been a great honor if that's who I was called to. And then I thought when I went on the mission field in Mexico, and then I went the next year to Nepal, I thought surely I was called to missions. (laughs) I couldn't wait because they were so hungry in Mexico, and they were so hungry in Nepal. And I thought, yes, I can do this. That's not what God had. The last thing I ever thought of or considered was being a pastor. You know why? Some of you know why, because I've shared it before. Because I didn't like people. I didn't like people. How many of you guys don't like people? Be honest. There's some of you that don't like people. People are ridiculous. People are difficult. People are obnoxious. People are insensitive. People are sometimes dumb or stupid. People are, people are really just problems. Yeah, we sorted them out. We sorted them out. We ran them off. (laughs) Joe. I'm going to add that to all of our brochures. You won't find any of this kind here. But here's the thing. Isn't that describing of all who fall short of the glory of God, all who have sinned? And so we actually find that you know, what I did is I was a manipulator because I learned that in sales. I was somebody who I, I, I would serve and I, tend, I feigned to like people because I sold them stuff, because they bought from me. It's called, it's called cultivating that relationship. It's called networking. How many of you do that? Some of you do that in your work, right? It's necessary. So you play nice and you play like you like them and you might even tell them they look good with that makeup on. And you're thinking, sweetheart, this is just covering up something bad. And that's how I was. But then, but God, but God, and he got a hold of my heart. And guess what he began to do? I started to hurt with people who were hurting. And it was the weirdest thing when you don't really think you care. That's who I used to be. I don't really care. But then all of a sudden you start hurting. And then all of a sudden when they're crying, You kind of are starting to cry, and I'm thinking, big boys don't cry. I don't really want to cry. But all of a sudden, then I'm I'm weeping with them. And then all of a sudden, I'm waking up in the middle of the night, and God is doing things, and, and I'm beginning to think about people. And then more than think about people, I feel compelled to pray for people. So then I'm praying for people. And then I hear about things that are bad happening, and I want to do something for that. So I begin to give money and give toward causes and toward situations that I know. And doing it anonymous, by the way, it wasn't something like I'm holding it up and saying, here it is. I know I'm walking on thin ice as I'm telling you about it. But the idea was, these were things that God was moving on my heart. And and eventually I got saved. Hello? That means God can do a lot of things in a human heart that is not yet saved, and you can have some good works. And he was doing all that, and in the midst of it, I remember that I wrote some things down as I I was learning how to journal and write down what what God was speaking so that it wasn't just lost, but I put it on paper. And I look back on that and I realize God was speaking to me about being a shepherd and about caring for people and being a, a, a pastor. Boy, I was just blind to it until the appointed time. And then all of a sudden the light goes on. How many of you remember when the light goes on? Huh? Tell me you all had a light experience. 
that the light goes on. If nothing else, it's not necessarily about your calling or mission. It was just about who you're supposed to be and your need for a Savior. And that's what he did for me is he revealed my need for a Savior. And with that call was also then this commission that I was called out of this, the darkness, and into the light. I was called from being somebody who was using people to somebody who was going to be loving and serving people. And I'm telling you, I don't. I think, thank you guys, this church, people who have been around me for 16 and a half years because you've been patient with me. I don't think I've arrived just yet, by the way, but I think about who I might have been 16 and a half years ago coming in as a first time as a senior pastor in this congregation. I probably owe a lot of people apologies. But the idea is that I don't give up on myself because I can't give up on God and what he's called me to. And neither should you. No matter how many times we don't get it right, you got to keep on keeping on. Because it's not about me. It's about his call and his, his appointment of me as a shepherd. Amen? So here it is. Verse 14 and 15. i got to fly now, see? Stick to the notes trailer. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. That word for that is intimate. Intimate. That intimacy speaks always of the word, which is the Old Testament word, yada. Y-A-D-A. Not yada, yada, yada. Okay? But yada. And yada is romance. Yada is intimacy. It's the honeymoon. It's the first night for a married couple. It's the deepest level of intimacy that God ordained. It's the coming to know each other at the greatest level. That's what, that's what intimate is. That's what the shepherd is. He's got a good arm. The, verse 16, by the way, then it says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Guess what a shepherd's supposed to be? Intimate? He's supposed to be inclusive. Not exclusive, but inclusive. Supposed to be sacrificial for this reason, because... The Father loves me because I lay my life down. The only way for me to live is to die. See? To die to the flesh, to live to the Spirit. So sacrificial. That's what a pastor is supposed to be. And how about verse 18? No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my, on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. See? A pastor is supposed to be powerful and empowered. That's the difference between a self-appointed pastor and a pastor who's been appointed and, and commissioned by God, is that it's not a power that we might drive of our own charisma. It's not something we can whip up. It's a matter that when I am weak, then I am made strong. It's what God does. Oh, I guess I'm making a case for myself today for the shepherd. I'm not going to read the next one, but I'm going to give you the reference to it. It's Chapter 6 of Mark, it's verse 34 through 44. If you're taking notes or writing that down or you want it, it's Mark. You guys would know it because it was the point where there's the feeding of 5,000. You might know the Matthew narrative of it, but here is the Mark narrative of it. It's a feeding of 5,000. I'm just going to call out a couple words that are in the narrative. It says, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. Folks, 
it's the heart of a shepherd is that when you see people, that you see something in them, that you know something about them, you can call that a word of knowledge that God gives about a condition, about what they're struggling with. See, I can see it this morning. You might think, uh-oh, I better change my look somehow so I can fake him out. It doesn't matter because God's the one who he speaks to the heart of a shepherd. And all of a sudden, I can have compassion because I know something, even though I don't get it right here. I don't know because somebody shared it with me. I know it because God speaks about a sensitivity for a situation, for a person. I, I just You just have to be a shepherd to know that. Sometimes you could tell your kids were hurting. You could tell something's going on in maybe your husband or wife. And you could tell, and you couldn't put your, your thumb on it, but you knew something. That's not intuition, folks. That's the Spirit of God quickening something in your heart, making you aware. Amen? It says to teach them many things. You, he says, you give them something to eat. He doesn't send them down the pike. Oh, you see somebody that it's cold outside, and you have two coats, and they don't have a coat, and you say, hey, nice day, isn't it? This is the chilly one, isn't it? And you do nothing. See, the shepherd is moved to say, hey, let me give you the shirt off my own back. God will provide. I'll find someone, some, something somewhere. I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about you. That's what the shepherd does. So he, took, he says he commands them to all sit down in groups. The heart of a shepherd is not to isolate people, but it's to gather people. It's that people don't live their lives isolated and alone, but instead sit down in groups. Sit down so we can have community. The heart of a shepherd is, it's easier and better for me if, if I got you all in, in one area. I can contain and I can see the enemy when he approaches. And I can, I can rescue the whole lot of you. But if you're isolated, he can pick you off. By the time I get there, I have to abandon these. So it's better. So a shepherd wants us doing community together, being connected. That's, well, to put in Jesus' words, that he desires that we would be one, as the Father and I are one. He wants the body of Christ to be many members, but one. Many members, but one. And then he says, he looks up to heaven and he says a blessing. See, the shepherd, he proclaims a blessing. Do you know I bless you? I bless you when I go through my little directory on my, I do have a smartphone, smarter than me. And when I go through that, I pray and I bless you. I bless you against, even if you're stiff-necked and obstinate. Even if you're some of those people Joe said doesn't come here. I pray for you. I pray for for you to come to grips with what, what God has for you. I pray for eyes to see. I pray that your spirit, that his spirit would quicken in your spirit the reality of why you exist for his good pleasure. I pray for you for about your families. I pray for you as, as husbands and wives. I pray for you for the, the hunger and a thirst for righteousness. I pray for you for a zeal to read the word of God, to, to have understanding as you read. Oh, I just could carry on, but that takes a while. Here's what a shepherd has. He has empathy, or you could say he's empathetic. Look that up. It's a little different than sympathy. Empathetic goes in here d- deeper than right here. Sympathy is, oh, I feel bad about that. Empathy is, listen, I'm with you, man. I'm hurting right along with you. A shepherd is empowering. See, it's not all the power being in him. 
It's about empowering other people to live a victorious life. It's about you can do this. Some part of a a shepherd is a cheerleader to cheer you on. Hey, if you're not getting that, give me a call. I'll cheer you on. That sounded like a threat, didn't it? It's a promise. 38. That was coming out of verse 38. He says, uh, "How many? How many uh, fish do you have? How many? How many? Uh, uh, how many uh, loaves? How many fish do you have?" A pastor is supposed to be resourceful. Listen, if I don't have the answer, I, I'll find out an answer for you. If I can't do it, I'll, I'll try to help find somebody who can. Amen? A shepherd is appointed by God and is accountable to God. I've said many times here, folks, when you're trusting me as a shepherd, you're actually trusting God who appointed me. You're actually saying, Lord, I'm receiving that you've appointed him as a shepherd, as my shepherd. And so, God, if anybody's got to get him, you got to get him. Amen? Ephesians 4.11 says this, He gave some as apostles, as some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. That's 11 and 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body. See? The rest of that is actually big two four-by-four banners out there in the hallway. You can look at them. It says literally that it comes down to, it says that speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causing it causes the growth of the body for the building, of it, building up of itself in love. See, you're, each one of you is an integral part. Yesterday I had the privilege of doing Cody Brooks, his, his funeral, 30 years old, Gene and Keith's grandson, and um, able to talk about him. He had Down syndrome, and some would look at that as some restriction, as something that he couldn't do because of his condition. The truth is, is he lived more in his 30 years than people, and I said that, than, than people three times his age. Man, you should have seen all the stuff they had on, on Cody. He lived an amazing life. And it's one of those things that when you look at that, you think, yeah, boy, God really blessed him. Though the years were short, God really blessed him. Well, here Cody is with, with these gifts. He touched so many people's lives. He caused things to happen in their hearts where they actually... They, they got closer to Jesus than they might have gone going to church for, for all of their lives because of Cody. Because that's what God does. He gives a greater grace to the most unseemly member. But who are we to say that Down syndrome would be somehow least? Because what we came to know is that was grace. But here's, here's the benefits of having a shepherd and being under his watch and ministry. And I'll, I'll end with this. You don't know what it does to me when I find out something about one of you and it's after the fact. Because what it does for me is it it tells me that you were going through a battle by yourself without the shepherd there. Now, I know God's there, but the idea is he's appointed as a shepherd for me to be with you. And Ted knows I've got an amazing bedside manner. 
if you're looking for doom and gloom, you probably don't want to call me. Because I'm not going to be one that sits there and lets you just, you know, delve into self-pity. We usually turn something around and God gives us some joy. Amen? By the way, steal, kill, and destroy. He, he first steals your joy. Then he, kill, he kills your desire. And then he destroys your faith. Steal your joy. Kill your desire. Destroy your faith. That's the way he operates. So when I get to come in and I get a love on somebody, the first quality benefit of having a shepherd, the umbrella that I, that I provide, if you will, is companionship. I'm supposed to embody what God says he is. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. As a companion, a constant companion, yes, to the degree I can be there, I'll be there, no matter how short or long the notice is. Send me a reminder. Companionship, ever-present. The second one, these are all C's, by the way, so you'll be able to get them. Counsel, the wisdom of God's Word rightly applied. That's the counsel that a pastor gives. It's not Joel's getting the degree in psychology, not me. I'm not professing to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I, all I do is I, I study the Word of God, and I, it's my job to impart that to you because that's truth and that's life. And so my counsel, that's the benefit of a, of a shepherd, is you'll get the wisdom of God's Word rightly applied, which also means preaching and teaching. The third word is called correction. Well, we could call that correction. It can be this way. Correction is like this. You feel that? A little exertion there. She's not moving very good. <laughs> the nudging. See, the shepherd, he just nudges. Sometimes I nudge by giving you illustrations. Sometimes I nudge by giving you a metaphor or I'll, a word picture. I'll nudge. If, you, if I have that opportunity, I'll nudge you toward being like Christ, toward expressing that. And sometimes they do this thing. Let me poke her. There. He does this. You know what that is? That's called a goad. That's a goad. That's how we move stubborn little lambs. See? You don't want to poke their eyes out. You get it? You're doing this, which says a little different than a nudge. That says you better move because otherwise it could draw blood. Just saying. Guess what the shepherd doesn't want to do? Doesn't want to draw blood. Just wants it to be that correction. Isn't that the way the Holy Spirit does for you and I? Is it's a, it's a nudging. It might be the heavy hand that you might feel filled with grace. But he'll put his hand upon you and he'll say, I'm not, I'm not happy with that. And you'll know the anguish of the Father. Little things that he'll impress upon you that will let you know he's not okay with that. Amen? Correction, nudging, and even provoking, okay? The fourth one is care. That's the nourishment that I spoke of earlier, peace and security. It's what Psalm 23 really declares, is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a place for me in the presence of my enemies. Amen? That's not a great place. We want to flee from our enemies. The shepherd says, no, don't be afraid. It's okay. I got this, which speaks of security. That's under care. And then concern. That is that you'll get the benefit that you know somebody is, is definitely with you in prayer. I'm longing 
I'm longing with Diane and Burdett for victory. I'm longing for this to, to see the benefits and the results of, uh, and the, the, the reward of faith for healing touch. So I long. So you might say, well, we're disconnected. I, I didn't hear from you all week or I didn't see you all week. I didn't talk to you and you didn't talk to me. And you might say, you know, he doesn't care. She knows better. But here's the thing. All week, I can even say for those of you who understand the word travail, and that travail is a deep place that, that there's, a, there's a weeping in your heart and, and a longing and a crying out. And I pray that all of you experience that in one form or another in your life because that's a divine thing. That's something that is special between God when he gives you that longing. Amen? Watching over and for. That's, that's part of the concern. And then character. Part of a shepherd, the benefit of a shepherd is, is character. We're supposed to model or be an example for you to follow. Some of you might say, oh, I don't know about that one. Guess what? Paul the Apostle says that, hey, if you see me and, and it looks like Christ, then imitate that. Amen? If, if you see that and, and you get that from me and you see it in him, that's a good thing. Do that. See? Character. Hebrews 13, 7, by the way, is the one. That's where it says specifically to imitate this as you see Christ in me. That's part of what a shepherd does is gives you something to model. The next thing is compensation. What? You get some benefit from following a pastor, from being under a pastor, his umbrella. Compensation. That's rewards or blessings. Hebrews 13, 17 talks about that. You want it to go well for you, so obey your leaders. You're speaking spiritual leaders. That it might go well for you. I'm going to tell you that means blessing and reward. For those, because guess what? As much as you desire from the shepherd, we all know that our lives are also lived for the shepherd. See? That means in this case, you don't have to do that for Jesus. Come on, he's got it all, right? But you sure do for the local pastor. You sure do for those guys, even the, the obnoxious ones on TV. The ones who might you might just tune out because you don't like them. Somebody's tuning in or they wouldn't be on TV. So if you don't like it, guess what? I pray for them. Oh, there's some times I curse them. Oh, I can't believe you're leaving them on the air, God. What are you doing? Oh, Lord, but bless them. Bless them with, bless them that all of a sudden they're speaking things that they didn't intend to speak that would be truth. Convict them like you convict me, God. Sick them. Amen? Compensation, rewards or blessings. And finally, the commission. See? The, the pastor is there. He is commissioned by God, called by God, but he also commissions. Folks, that's what you do. Commission means what? To train up, to equip. Did you get it? Ephesians 4.11. He's appointed some as pastors and shepherds, evangelists, for the equipping for the, of the saints for the works of ministry. See, the greatness of this church lies in all the people who fill the roles, who do the service and the serving. Not, not in a pastor. That's something we're working to still overcome. We need you. And you're the gifts, and you're the diversity that makes the body 
want. Everybody in here should desire to serve, and many of you are, so thank you for that. We train up, we equip, and we empower for the works of the ministry. Now let's take up that communion cup, if you would, please. Because that is is the shepherd drawing us together in communion. Jesus did that when he said at the Last Supper, as we call it, it says that he'd gathered them all together, and he said, whosoever, whosoever, see, from this day forward, when we celebrate this, he gives us, not only are we doing it then, but from now on, we proclaim his death until he comes again. And now proclaiming his death doesn't mean we're just, we left him in the grave or we left him on the cross. Instead, proclaiming his death means that he died for you and I so that we can live. Can I have an amen? He, li- he died for us that we could live. That's the proclamation that we make in communion. Here's what this guy named Charles Spurgeon says. Hebrews 9.20 says, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. And here's what he says about this. There is a strange power about the very name of blood, and the sight of it is always affecting. A kind heart cannot bear to see a sparrow bleed, and unless familiarized by use, turns away with horror at the slaughter of a beast. Now, hunters, in other words, you're not like that. You don't weep when you shot that deer. As to the blood of men, it is a consecrated thing. It is murder to shed it in wrath. It is a dreadful crime to squander it in war. Is this solemnity occasioned by the fact that the blood is the life and the pouring of it forth, the taking of death? We think so. When we rise to contemplate the blood of the Son of God, our awe is yet more increased. And we shudder as we think of the guilt of sin and the terrible penalty which the sin bearer endured. Blood always precious is priceless when it streams from Emmanuel's side. Emmanuel means God with us. The blood of Jesus seals the covenant of grace and makes it forever sure. Covenants of old were made by sacrifice, and the everlasting covenant was ratified in the same manner. Oh, the delight of being saved upon the sure foundation of divine engagements which cannot be dishonored. Salvation by the works of the law is a frail and broken vessel whose shipwreck is sure. But the covenant vessel fears no storms, for the blood ensures the whole. The blood of Jesus made his testament valid. Wills are of no power unless the testators die. In this light, the soldier's spear is a blessed aid to faith, since it proved our Lord to be really dead. Doubts upon that matter? There can be none, and we may boldly appropriate the legacies which he has left for his people. Happy they who see their title to heavenly blessings assured to them by a dying Savior. But has this blood no voice to us? Does it not bid us sanctify ourselves unto him by whom we have been redeemed? Does it not call us to newness of life and incite us to entire consecration? To the Lord. Oh, that the power of the blood might be known 
and fell in us this day. It was not that somebody took his life. He laid it down. And he laid it down for you. Would you just proclaim that to somebody near you? Just tell them, he he did this for you. That's what this is about. He did it for you. Amen? And the most despicable, of which some of us once were, he did it for us. And he's redeemed our lives. And he's waiting for whosoever will. He's waiting for somebody that you're going to speak to and you're going to give a testimony to, that you're going to share your own life and your tell from rags to riches, from wickedness to righteousness. And he's waiting for that next person that you might be the very seed that is sown or you may water that seed that was sown and you may see the harvest of that soul that he's bringing from the kingdom of the darkness into the kingdom of his light. And all it's going to be is you just doing what you know of God, just proclaiming Him in your own simple way. And so today, as we receive communion, we proclaim Him. Amen? To one another as part of His flock, which goes beyond these walls. Would you receive then that on that night that He was betrayed, He took the the bread and He said, This is my body, which will be broken for you, it's, it's given for you, and it's going to be broken for you. In my beating, with my body being destroyed, yours will be made whole. And we receive it in Jesus' name. And then the Good Shepherd, he took the cup this cup of wine, and he said, this cup is the blood of my covenant, a new and everlasting covenant that I give to you today. My blood is about to be poured out for you for the forgiveness and remission of sin for all time. We receive this covenant, everlasting covenant, in your blood, Jesus, and we acknowledge your sacrifice for us and that you are the good shepherd, and you love us with an everlasting love, and this communion is witness thereof. In Jesus' name. Now let me tell you what to do with that cup. Just take that little thing, that, that wrapper, and put it, and in the, right in front of your seat, there's a little round place where this fits perfectly. Just put it there, and then I want to bless you as we leave today. I'd ask for those elders especially come forward. We're going to pray for Diane. Anybody who would like to join us to uh, pray for Diane, Boyke specifically. For uh, We're not giving up. We have an anointed once, and then we're trusting that. Um, it's not that anointing grows stale. It's just that we got to persevere. Amen? So please come forward, and uh, we're going to play that song. It's uh, ready to go for you. It's Build Your Kingdom Here. You probably hear it on the radio some. We've done it before, but we're just going to do it on this way. And so I proclaim the blessing. Lord, I proclaim the blessing that isn't mine to give. It's yours that you've already given. And we acknowledge your greatness, God. We acknowledge your faithfulness. We acknowledge that you love us with an everlasting love. And because of that, God, we can face tomorrow. 
Lord, thank you that you cause us to say we can come to you and we can exchange. We can give you our burdens, Lord, and that we can receive your yoke and, and carry the burden that you give, which you declare that would be light and easy. We're ready for light and easy. So, Father, thank you for the work that you're doing in us. Continue that work, God, and be glorified in our lives. We come before you and we surrender our lives afresh, and we ask, God, for you to speak to us. Open our ears that we will hear what the Spirit is saying to us. God, we ask for you to help us in building your kingdom until you come in glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen, and build your kingdom here. Hey, greet one another as you go, and uh, we'll be praying for Diane right now.